Hello, and welcome to Deprogram with Carrie Smith. I am very excited about our guest today. He is the father of girls. He's been traveling North America, having conversations about uh, the child abuse of medically transitioning children with experimental puberty blockers, opposite sex hormones, and surgeries. I was blessed to be able to meet this guy when he was in Texas recently, and I think he's a real... Um, I, I, he's just, a, he's a good, strong man, which I know sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you here today. Welcome, Billboard Chris. So much, Carrie. That was a super fun day in Texas a couple months ago, hanging out with you. I can honestly say that was one of the highlights of the year and a half I've been doing this activism. So I'm super excited to be oh, able to wow. talk to you today. Yeah, me too. So we, I'm going to get into who you are and what you're doing, but uh, I want to have a redo of that day because our plans were thwarted <laughs> to go to the campus and protest. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about right. that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we went to this university. Which university was it? Southwestern. She's right close okay. to me. And we, we parked in the parking lot on campus and we were standing outside of our car um, my rental car, just getting the, the signs ready to wear, because I wear these signs, and we can get into that in a second, but they say children cannot consent to puberty blockers, or children are never born in the wrong body. I've got the definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. And anyway, we were just getting ready to put these signs on, and someone had already reported us to the campus police, and this campus police officer rolled up and told us we couldn't be there. Yeah, which is expected, I'd, but that was really quick that day. That was so quick. It's two suspicious people in the parking lot with signs. <laughs> Send in the cops. So, oh, no. so let's back up then. Yes, for anyone who may mm. not be familiar with you, and I only recently became familiar with with you and what you're doing and your mission. Can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what is your purpose? So I am just your average run-of-the-mill dad raising a couple girls, married to a beautiful wife, living out in the suburbs of Vancouver, British Columbia. And I learned about all this madness going on with gender, specifically with girls now wanting to be boys who go on to medically transition as children, trying to make themselves look like the opposite sex. And... Of course, we all want what's best for these children, but we have a craze going on affecting mainly adolescent girls. It's increasing among boys as well, but we have tens of thousands of girls now wanting to be boys and they're being given experimental drugs and hormones, which stop their bodies from going into puberty. And then they're given the opposite sexes hormones. So girls are given testosterone, boys are given estrogen. When you say that, um, you're a father who learned about what's happening with gender ideology. Can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. So at its very core, gender ideology teaches us that it is stereotypes that define what we are. We are teaching children that they all have a gender identity, which in effect trumps their biological sex. So... No one can really tell you what gender identity is. You often get these circular definitions. But basically, it means that if you like boy stereotypes, that you must be a boy and vice versa, 
we're teaching tomboys that they are actual boys just because they don't like these stereotypically girly things. And if you look at a resource, the most popular resource in the world, it's called the Genderbred Person. It will tell you right on there what gender identity is. And it states that it is based on your personality, your hobbies, your likes and your dislikes, your roles and expectations. So this is very sexist, aggressive nonsense. We used to tell our girls that they could be anything they want to be when they grow up. We didn't tell them that having interests in STEM or wanting to play football meant that they were actually boys. Mm -hmm. This is a really wildly regressive You froze. Are you? You am froze I back? for a second. You're back. Yeah. Okay. You said Sorry, this is yeah. a really this wildly is a, regressive. Yeah, this is a very regressive ideology that progressives on the left have picked up as their new religion of choice. And they have succeeded in getting this pseudoscientific ideology into schools all across the Western world. And of course, when you teach this to vulnerable kids, a whole bunch are going to believe it. And if you give all these girls who are struggling with adolescence an option to simply opt out of their sex, well, a lot of them are going to take you up on that option because to them, it can seem a lot more attractive to escape some of the trials and tribulations that come along with being a girl and try to become a boy. And a lot of these kids too have autism, ADHD, there's been trauma, there might've been sexual abuse, eating disorders. There are all sorts of things going on with these kids who end up at these gender clinics getting these experimental drugs and hormones. But we don't look at these underlying factors anymore. Yeah. We credit all these other issues that these children have as being caused by this sudden presentation of gender dysphoria. So, and so can you can you tell us a, yeah. a little bit about so someone someone who is a parent who's maybe been introduced to gender ideology from their kids, from the culture, or from their kids' school, they might hear you talking and say, well, what's the harm in allowing my daughter to explore her gender ideology and consider that she might be a, a, a boy, like a boy trapped in a girl's body? What's the harm in, in seeing if that's the case? And, and if she has all these other issues, like if she has mental health issues like depression or anxiety, um, what's the harm in seeing if this is what cures those and seeing if that's true, if these are, if, if those things spring from a root of gender dysphoria. Okay. So let's talk about gender dysphoria briefly and I'll come back to that. So gender dysphoria as a condition is nothing new. It's been around for decades and historically this affected one in several thousand children and it affected mostly boys from a young age. So we're talking about four, five, six-year-old boys who were more effeminate. And we have academic studies that have been done into gender dysphoria going back about five decades. And all of these studies show that 80 to 90% of the time, these kids simply outgrow this gender dysphoria. The cure for it is actually puberty. Mm -hmm. Because when puberty comes along, our hormones kick into gear Testosterone is generated in these boys. It makes them feel more comfortable as their natal sex and they grow out of it. And a lot of these kids, when they grew up, if you look at one of the most recent studies, it followed 139 boys for 20 years, 87.8% of these boys 
their dysphoria just went away. And the majority of these boys, when they grew up into adulthood, were gay. So this is another aspect to this. We are taking kids who would grow up to be gay or lesbian. And because they don't conform to the stereotypes associated with their sex, we are telling these kids that, oh, maybe you're trans. Or other kids in school are telling them that they're trans. Just because when you put it they're that not way, really girls. Yeah. When you put it that way, Chris, it sounds so similar to, like, how is it different from conversion therapy? It is conversion therapy. Yeah. It, it totally is. But in this upside down world we have, we have all these governments passing laws banning conversion therapy. And what that actually means, <clears throat> excuse me, what that actually means to these politicians is that you cannot help. Let's take the example of a girl who now says she's a boy. You cannot help her to feel comfortable as a girl. That would be deemed conversion therapy. It's totally fine to take a girly girl who's never had these issues and convince her that she's actually trans, give her puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, even surgeries, cut off her breasts as a child. That's totally fine. It's totally fine to make these children into lifelong medical patients who will forever be reliant on external sources of testosterone. Mm -hmm. And it's fine that these drugs cause vaginal and uterine atrophy, causing them to get hysterectomies. Apparently that's all good in our society, but to help these children just be comfortable as they are is now deemed conversion therapy. And in Canada, where we just passed one of these laws, parents, faith leaders, counselors, PhDs, whoever, they can face up to five years in jail and a $2 million fine just for helping these kids. Wait, and we see these you... same laws passing all over the place. Wait, can you restate that? Five, min How... five years in jail and a $2 million fine. Wow, it's... just for opposing the gender ideology and saying, well, maybe you're not a boy, maybe it's something else, let's figure out what's underlying. Then you put yourself at risk of jail and a $2 million fine. If mom tells her girl, no, Lucy, you're not a boy, you are my baby girl. The Ministry of Children and Families consider it abuse not to affirm these children's gender identity. And they will come in and they will interview the mom, they'll interview the child, they'll interview the dad, all separate. And if you're not going along with this gender religion, you can lose your kid. It's already happened to people. It's happened in Australia recently. There's another dad in Texas who's lost his kids, Jeff Younger. Yeah. People can Google save James and learn all about that. But uh, he had two twin boys. And one, one of these boys, when he was just two and a half years old, liked a purse with a unicorn on it. And mom, who is a pediatrician, decided this meant that her little boy in diapers was really a girl inside. And so she's been socially transitioning him. And you asked earlier, what does it matter if we just go along with this stuff? Mm. Well, socially transitioning is, is going along with a lie that a child is something that they're not. It's going along with this lie that a girl is a boy or a boy is a girl. And it's cementing this identity in this child's head, mm. which then gets affirmed over and over again, making this identity more concrete, making it harder to back out if these children do want to back out because they get celebrated at school, they get a lot of love. And uh, when these kids are socially transitioned, well, the most vulnerable of these children end up in these gender clinics 
where they are given, first of all, this drug called Lupron. That's usually what it's called. There's a few others, but it's normally this drug called Lupron, which is a drug that was approved to treat prostate cancer in men. It was approved to treat endometriosis in women. And it's the same drug we use on pedophiles because it chemically castrates them. We're talking chemical castration. So same thing as essentially cutting off the testicles of a pedophile is what this drug does. It completely and do they give destroys this, their sex drive. Yeah. Do they give this drug to boys and girls? Yes. So it stops the pituitary gland from releasing luteinizing hormone and FSH or follicle stimulating hormone, which in turn, for you, it would trigger your ovaries to produce estrogen. For me, it would trigger testosterone. And so that process will not happen. So all the things that should happen during puberty are not going to occur. So girls' breasts won't grow. Their hips aren't going to get wider. Their bones don't gain any density. And in fact, these kids are losing bone density. A mother I talked to in California a couple months ago, her daughter was on puberty blockers from the age of 12 to 15. And they did bone scans each year. And she lost 11% of her bone density. This is at a time when bones should be getting way stronger. A girl in Sweden just suffered spinal fractures and has osteopenia because of this drug. Boys' penises won't grow. It affects other organs, of course. And seeing as the cure for most of these children who are struggling with this gender distress is their own hormones, mm -hmm. when you stop their own hormones from being generated, of course, they're not going to start feeling better. And then you give them the opposite sex's hormones, which is the second part of this process. So it's puberty blockers, then it's testosterone for girls, estrogen for boys. That makes their dysphoria even worse. Yeah. And it's sterilizing these kids. And this isn't just me saying this. You can go read op-eds that have been written by Dr. Marcy Bowers or Laura Edwards-Leeper or Erica Anderson, who are all senior officials with the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. They've been raising the alarm about some of these issues lately. There's been pieces in the Washington Post and New York Times and San Francisco Chronicle, whatever it's called. I think I got that name right. But yeah. anyway, there are professionals in this industry who are now raising the alarm about some of these issues, but still in the public sphere, it's next to impossible to get any non-conservative media to cover these issues Yeah, because so, they're all caught up in telling this lie. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be, you're, you're, you're reminding me a little bit of what I'm seeing in the media now when it comes to the adverse effects of mandatory masking and school shutdowns and lockdowns on children. I'm starting to see more articles and even the New York Times questioning, was this the right thing to do or what are, or at least, at least finally acknowledging some of the adverse reactions that kids are experiencing, like greater rates of depression and teen suicide. Do you think this might be one of those things where down the road, when they see or if they see enough adverse effects, they the, the mainstream starts to challenge this and say, but how could we have known? But how could we have known? <laughs> yeah, how could they have known? People, there's a thousand people on Twitter every day telling all these people in authority exactly what's going on. And they just keep plugging their ears and singing la 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 so that they don't hear it. Mm -hmm. But yes, you're absolutely right. There is no evidence base for this. And Sweden and Finland are two countries that have done away with this practice. And the only way it will occur again is if these children are part of a clinical trial. And of course, in these clinical trials, you, you weed out the children who have all these other comorbidities going on. 
because every yeah. single child that ends up in these gender clinics getting these experimental medicines, and they are experimental because they've never been approved, it's being used off label. All these kids have something else going on. They're cutting or they have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. A lot of these girls have suffered sexual abuse. And why do girls get sexually abused? It's because they're girls. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're boys. It's because they're girls. That's why they got abused. So what's the easy solution for some of these kids? It's to opt out of their sex. Mm-hmm. You get tons of kids with autism who are on the autism spectrum. Probably about half of these kids are on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. It could even be higher. I know from some gender clinic studies themselves, they had the number pegged at 40%. In my own experience of talking to tons of parents and even a lot of these kids, I think it's even higher. But there's always something else going on. There's depression and anxiety. And mental health professionals are completely failing their patients. Mm-hmm. Doctors are completely failing them because they're simply going along with the child's self-diagnosis, yeah. affirming that the child is indeed trans, not looking into all these other issues, and then just medicating them straight away. Why do you think it is that we've reached this point where, I mean, I have my own ideas about this, but I'd like to hear if you if you given thought to what are the underlying causes of a society reaching a point where parents are willing to allow and the medical established establishment is willing to allow children to be treated as guinea pigs in in what amounts to medical experiments we have a we have a war on truth these days don't we yeah we're not we're not allowed to tell the truth and so it's essentially there's been a long campaign of propaganda while everyone was kind of sleeping and this wasn't such a big issue. There's been a lot of money behind this as well. And parents are told, kids are told that puberty blockers are just a pause button. So that sounds reasonable. The story as it goes is you can just give little Johnny these puberty blockers to give him time to think about his gender. And then he can just come off of them and puberty will resume. Well, sure, if you go on puberty blockers for three months or something and come off of them, there's not gonna be too much harm done. That isn't at all how this operates in the real world. In the real world, by the time these kids get in front of that endocrinologist, they are fully sold on the full transition. So that's puberty blockers, as early as they can get them, they'll give these to 10 year olds. Tanner stage two is the technical term of puberty when they're supposed to be administering these drugs, which for girls is when their breasts just start to form. Uh, they haven't even had their period yet. They're just babies that were believing in Santa Claus a couple of years ago, and now they're going to block puberty in these kids. Um, so anyway, they presented as a pause button, which is a complete and utter lie because 98% of the time these kids go on to the next step, which is the opposite sex is hormones. They will tell parents and kids that if you don't let your child transition, that they're going to kill themselves. It's a despicable lie. Yeah. You know what I've, I've uh, been noticing is, and I wonder if you, you may know the stats on this, but I joined a few different groups on Facebook for parents of transgender children. So I can see, kind of what they're talking about and what's being pushed in these groups. And some of them let me in. <laughs> and it was like, okay. <laughs> um, 
and but it but it's one of the most those groups are some of the most depressing places I've ever visited on the web because it is to me it it's like a religion you're no one's allowed to question new parents come in they're usually distraught they're usually uh, facing their child has just told them and it's of all various ages their their four year olds told them their fifteen year olds told them you know and everything between and they're having trouble processing it. They're feeling like they're grieving the death of the, the child as they knew the child. And yeah. they're asking, you know, how can I be loving and supportive to my child and understand this better? And they're being told there's only one way. It's an orthodoxy. The only way to do so is to validate this gender that you're, this new gender that your child's telling you that they are and start using the new pronouns and right into medical transitioning and, you know, the puberty blockers. And that's the only way in anything else they're, they're socially shamed in the group. Um, and so these parents yeah. are falling in line, but what I've noticed in the group is that there's an inordinate amount of posts from parents who are on board, who've been in the group for years now, who's, children who they've been validating, supporting in all the ways they're told to support them, putting them on puberty blockers, uh, you know, using the new name, using the new pronouns. Their kids are in the hospital with suicide attempts. Their kids are depressed. Their kids are anxious. There's all these underlying things that you're talking about. It doesn't seem to reduce just on an anecdotal level from what I'm seeing in the groups. It doesn't seem to reduce their, their tendencies towards self-harm or their mental health issues or their, their anguish and their anxiety. Is that reflected in the statistics? I mean, what are they going based on to say, this is what's going to help your kid be better uh, mentally, health, mental health wise? There has been propaganda saying that 40% of these kids will kill themselves if you don't let them transition. Um, a, a good study just came out. I think I tweeted it out yesterday, actually. The actual numbers are about three in 10,000 kids. And suicidal ideation is higher. And it's important to say that because this is the truth. Suicidal ideation is higher among kids who are identifying as trans. It's higher among kids with eating disorders. It's higher mm -hmm. among kids with depression and anxiety. When you filter out all these different issues, it's not really any different than these other mental health crises that kids get involved in. Mm -hmm. So if we had this absolute deluge of children committing suicide because we didn't let them transition. Obviously that would be a different story, but it's just a lie. And it's a lie because it shuts down conversation. That's the intent of this lie. That's why they say it because what is someone going to say when they're kind of new to this issue and they say, I don't think kids should be getting puberty blockers. And the response they get is, well, you do know that if you don't let these children transition, a lot of them will kill themselves, right? Parents are told that you can have a dead kid or a trans kid. And so they're hearing this from authority figures. They're hearing this from doctors and they know nothing about this whole craze going on. And so they're accepting the authority of these doctors and these drugs. But if you look at the consent forms for testosterone, for example, for girls, it'll say right on there that we don't know the long-term impacts of this yeah. being given to girls yeah. because this is all new and it's all experimental. And if we don't have the long-term information, how can a child give informed consent? Obviously yeah. they can't. And what's happening is, yeah, they're getting their puberty blocked. They're going on this puberty blocking drug for years. Whereas women with endometriosis only get it for six months. 
they're suffering huge side effects. Then they're going on testosterone. They're having to get hysterectomies done. So now, even if as a young adult, they decide that they just caught up, they realize that they got caught up in this cultish craze and they don't want to transition anymore. Well, they can't even produce their own estrogen in a lot of these cases because they've had oophorectomies, they've had their ovaries removed. So now you have a lifelong medical patient. These girls, if they want to stay transitioned to this alternate form of female, because let's face it, you can't actually change your sex. Well, they have to stay on testosterone for life. It's shortening their lifespan. It increases their chance of heart attacks and strokes. This cognitive problems going on from these drugs. It's all just this crazy experiment on kids. We're trying to change the sex of children, guys. Like not one or two here and there. Every high school in my country, for sure. I'm sure it's not every high school in the States yet, but it's getting close because oh, this I'm is sure all over social is. media as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a contagion on social media. So I got to interview, I don't know if you you probably follow her on Twitter. Helena, she goes by Helena on Twitter. Love and her. And yeah. she, she detransitioned de and the a lot of her indoctrination happened online. And I think that's the case for a lot of kids. It's it's spreading online, then they help bring it into their schools. Yeah. Um, but when she talked about her detransition, when, when she decided this has been a crazy cult-like experience for me, what am I doing? How did I fall into this at such a young age? And she tried to detransition. She faced rejection and scorn from her so-called inclusive trans supporting community you know what you choose your gender you choose your sex we're here for you okay well i choose to go back to my biological sex and try to be healthy and in my who with who i am with what my body is she faced rejection from that community and from her right. therapist is that common do you talk to girls who've tried to detransition and and what is that like are they ostracized 100 percent of the time if these if these activists, if these trans activists, these religious cultists, let's call them what they are, if they truly cared about someone just finding their real identity and living their authentic life and their truth, well, then they should be happy for these people for figuring themselves out. But they're not. They just want kids to be trans. So I've, I've talked with Helena on some Twitter spaces uh, to give an example of how ridiculous the so-called professionals are overseeing these children. Helena learned that she could go to Planned Parenthood to get testosterone. So she drove five hours to the closest Planned Parenthood, sat down for 20 minutes with this, whatever you want to call the person at Planned Parenthood, we'll call them the gender consultant. And this person said that driving five hours to Planned Parenthood showed real commitment. So Helena must really be trans. Because wow. why else would she drive five hours to get testosterone? And so she was given a prescription right then and there. This person knows nothing about her. Out she walked and started her new journey onto testosterone. When I was in Seattle a month ago, I uh, met up with another detransitioner. Her name's Athena. Her Twitter handle is Mother Gender. But when she was 16, she went on testosterone. She got a double mastectomy. She detransitioned or went off testosterone at the age of 19. She's 22 now. 
Of course, insurance won't cover any reconstructive surgery because all these insurance companies only cover the deconstruction. They only cover the harming of children. Wow. They'll gladly, they'll gladly pay for a 14-year-old on their parents' insurance to get their breasts cut off, but they will not pay for any of these reconstructive surgeries. Wow. But anyway, Athena told me when she was 16, her two best friends were trans. And so this is how this social contagion works. We throw this word social contagion around a lot and we kind of get it. But in reality, this is what's happening. So a girl makes a new friend who says she's trans. Girl hangs out with this other girl. I guarantee you in 100% of these cases, these kids who identify as trans, they've all been online for hours and hours and hours going down these rabbit holes on TikTok and Tumblr and Reddit, getting inundated with trans propaganda, getting lied to constantly. And then they make a new friend and maybe this girl's not happy for some reason, who could, could be anything, doesn't like her body, hates growing up, puberty sucks, you know, maybe parents split up. Adolescence is a tough time. Who knows what's going on with this kid? But now they got a new friend. And now they go and hang out and they get online and they go down these rabbit holes and they are not matching what society has led these girls to believe is, you know, a, a proper, beautiful, girly way to be or whatever, you know, they're not matching the Instagram mm -hmm. standards that are set for them. And they're getting it put in their head now that because they're a tomboy, that maybe they're an actual boy. And maybe these struggles that they're feeling in life are because they're really a boy inside, that they have a boy brain, pseudoscientific nonsense. Mm -hmm. And so then they start getting caught up in this. They start believing what their schools are telling them too, that there's all this hate out there against the transgender community, yeah. which is complete and utter rubbish. It's yeah. genuine concern mostly from parents who see what's going on. But they become convinced, just as Athena did, that this outside world, outside this trans world, they're all hateful and they're bigots. And just because her two best friends were trans, that's how she got sold this. And she fell down this rabbit hole. And at 16, she got her breasts cut off and went on testosterone for three years. So they get a deeper voice and they grow facial hair and all that stuff. This is irreversible harm being done to these yeah. kids. So... And yeah, I think part of what they're doing. So on, on deprogrammed, I think you know. Well, you know when I when I met you, I was telling you a little about my background. Yeah. I was in the social justice ideology for two decades, and to relate this back to that that sort of umbrella of that belief system for a second, you're saying they turn these kids into lifelong medical patients, but they are also turning them into lifelong victims, and yes. and in that 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 process that you're discussing that the, the social contagion of where they they meet someone who says well i'm trans and then and then they go online and they learn more about it and part of what they're being told as you said is that the world is so transphobic and the world is out to get you and you are a special victim and that i mean human nature that appeals to someone if you're at an, an age especially in the awkward age of adolescence where you feel like an outsider you there may be something off with with you in terms of 
feeling like you fit in with the norm. That was the case for me. I had, I didn't feel like, I'm sure most of us felt like we, we didn't fit in with the norm when we were kids. Um, but they play into that and they tell you that, that that's special, that there's something right. special about that, that you are a special kind of victim. And I think it really, aside from the medical damage that they're doing to these kids, like the damage to their bodies, the permanent damage, they're also damaging them psychologically because they're asking them to think of themselves forever as this sort of this member of this oppressed group. Um, big time, big time. Do, do you see that in some of the people that you've been able to meet on your travels who detransitioned? Is there, I think there's, is there a pronounced difference in, in maybe their self-confidence levels, like once they've come out of this? Yeah, for sure. I've been told, you know, they were kind of afraid mm -hmm. in a way of people who didn't buy into this ideology. And whatever happens in their life that causes them to, to detransition and to start looking at the truth of all of this, they learn that, oh, all these people weren't hateful at all. And I was being lied to by my former community who now, as you said earlier, completely ostracized them. Yeah. Um, there is this, it's all this intersectionality stuff going on. We've created a culture where victimhood is rewarded. And this is very much... I don't know if it's the opposite of what I had growing up, but this didn't exist growing up. Hmm. You had to, you had to be tougher, you know, something bad happened, you know, toughen up, tough it out. And that's how we need to be really. Cause yeah. life isn't fair. Whoever said life was fair. Life's not supposed to be fair. It's, it's not, not fair, fair for anyone. <laughs> it's never going to be fair. And that's just the way it is. And the sooner you accept that, the happier you can get but we, we're rewarding victimhood culture. And I've heard you talk about your experience in that social justice movement, and I've watched your podcasts. And all these things are related, of course. If you are into trans ideology, by default, you are also going to wear a mask outside when you're walking around, mm -hmm. and you're going to be into critical race theory and all of these different things where our society is being propagandized and we're not allowed to tell the truth. Yeah. We just had a woman in, in Waterloo, Ontario. Sorry, I'll go real quick here. Yeah. Who two nights ago at a school board meeting, she brought up a couple books. There's this one book called Rick by Alex Gino, award-winning author. He's got a couple crazy books. In this particular book, it's a little boy and this book is for kindergarten to grade six, by the way. It's a little boy who thinks there's something wrong with him because he's not thinking about naked girls all the time. So he identifies as asexual. And in this other book, it's this, uh, this girl's reading about puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. And she reads that they might make you infertile. And her response to that is to say, oh, cool. So this is a book promoting, and in fact, kind of celebrating sterilization of children. It's a book intended for children. And a teacher spoke at this school board meeting, just expressing some concerns and she couldn't talk. She was shut down. The chair of the school board cited the Ontario Human Rights Code 
as though she was violating some human rights thing. And they kicked her out of the meeting. And then they and took the video down and now they're taking it down off of YouTube and they're trying to bury this. But I was going to say they've, they've tried to censor it from YouTube. So, but I saw yeah. that you put it up or someone put it up on rumble. People can yeah, still I, see it there. Yeah. Someone else put it up. I just linked to it, but I mean, this is no surprise to me because I've been through this a thousand times, but it's great that the rest of the world starts seeing this stuff mm -hmm. because we aren't allowed to have a conversation. And the reason I got started on this whole campaign in the first place was because we weren't allowed to have conversations. And when society devolves to such a point where you can't talk about important things, you've got a major problem. And I'm an old guy now. All I care about is the future of my girls. I've had all my young days and I'm not comfortable with the world that we're living in today. So I'm just trying to do something about it. And the first thing I did was put up these, I love JK Rowling billboards. Yeah. Tell us about, tell us about that. Cause I think the, um, the story of how you got to where where you're at now, where you travel the country with these billboards, is an yeah. interesting one because you started with one that you weren't wearing. Right. So my inspiration was a woman named Posey Parker in the UK who put up a sign at the Edinburgh train station that said, I love J.K. Rowling. I heart J.K. Rowling. And it got taken down the next day. This was, I think, July of 2020. And I'd been learning all that year about all these different issues going on. But how did they, what did they justify and, taking it down? What did they say? Oh, complaints. Hate. <laughs> hate. What? Well, they, they did an FOI request and there wasn't a single official complaint. But some people on Twitter complained. But it's so, literally just I heart J.K. Rowling, who's an, a yeah. children's book author. That's it. Yeah, but J.K. <laughs> Rowling wrote a really controversial tweet where she felt <laughs> women shouldn't get fired for believing in biology. So, okay. you know, yeah. <laughs> She's never said a transphobic thing in her life. I've read everything she's ever written. Everything she's written, of course, comes from a place of empathy and concern and truth. And anyway, that sign got taken down and I had had enough of this nonsense and I thought it was a great idea. So why reinvent the wheel? I did the same thing in Vancouver and I put up a big billboard heading into downtown that said the same thing. I love JK Rowling. It got paint bombed overnight after I tweeted it out. And then a Vancouver politician said it was hate speech. Wow. And she and she put pressure on the sign company and they covered it up. Wow. So I kind of anticipated this and it went viral a bit. And so I reached out on Twitter and I said, if you want to do this in your city, I will help because I know a lot of people have been silenced and can't speak out. So right away, a woman in Silicon Valley, who's an executive there, uh, donated a bit of money, I think 2000 US or something. And then I raised some more from Canadians that night and had a billboard up in San Francisco the next week. And then Utah, all throughout Utah, Los Angeles, Portland, the underground, 14 different screens throughout the metro in Washington, D.C., and then Times Square. That was in September of 2020. Okay. But uh, then I was running out of money. <laughs> so I can't put up signs in Canada at all. There's only two sign companies and they won't do it. So I thought, they well, they can't take it off. You, they won't work with you specifically or they won't? They won't work. They won't put up that anything to anything do with this like message. That. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I just thought, well, they can't take a sign off my back. So I had these signs made and I wear them like a human sandwich board. And I just hang out downtown. I go to where it's busy. I go to events. I'll be at a huge event this weekend, both days. And I just talk to whoever comes up to me. And as 
has questions. My main sign says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. Probably my most popular one is my definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. I've got one that says gender ideology does not belong in schools. One that says children are never born in the wrong body. Because this is what we're teaching kids, that right. some are born in the wrong body. If you ask someone what that means, they can never tell you. If you ask them, what does it mean to be a girl? Of course, they can't tell you without resorting to stereotypes. Apparently, it means having long hair and wearing a dress. And every single one of these girls who transitioned to male, for some reason, they all have a beard. I don't have a beard. Most men walking around don't wear a beard, but every single one of these girls who transitions will have a beard because this whole thing is about stereotypes. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I just talk to people. I have conversations because the media won't cover this. We have three main media sources in Canada, CBC, CTV, Global. The only time they ever cover anything is when they're saying that I'm a transphobe and I'm a terrible human being and I hate kids and all this stuff. So They will before... not cover the subject of puberty blockers at all. So I just... I'm doing a grassroots word of mouth thing. I want to talk about, yeah, the attacks that you've faced and, and, but before we get there, your approach. So you, 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 you are the human billboard now and you said you're wearing the signs and I, I'll, I'll put up a photo of when we got to hang out, even though we didn't, okay. we got kicked out of the school. But, um, when you wear this, have you ever had someone try to take it off of you? Yeah, they've been taken off of me. Okay. I got attacked in Montreal in March of last year by five or six people, one woman, five men, I think it was. And they just uh, jumped me. They knew I was there. I was on the busiest pedestrian street in Montreal called St. Catherine Street. It was 7 p.m. on a Friday night, one hour before their curfew. <laughs> those bad people go out at 8 p.m. But uh, I got jumped. I got jumped by all these people. I got punched in the face straight away, punched in the back of the head. Simultaneously, my front and back signs were ripped off of me. And a guy stomped on my body cam in the middle of the street. And so I was mad that I lost my camera because I wear a body cam to protect myself yeah. from these sorts of things. So I pulled out my phone and I started filming and I got the latter half of the attack. And a man picked up a big traffic cone. One of the big ones, which I wasn't too worried about because it's just a piece of plastic, but the base on those things is pretty thick. And he swung it at me four times like an ax. And each time I blocked it with my left forearm. And one of those blows broke my arm. So that was fun. And then a guy came and squirted me with mustard all over. And so you're you're sometimes, not always, I don't want I don't want to discourage people yeah. from standing up for what they believe and doing this because and, and I'll just let you know the day we went out, we ended up walking around the neighborhood, we went to the town square, no one physically uh, attacked us. So yeah. it's not like you get physically attacked all the time. But you have right. been physically attacked, and then online yeah. you've been defamed. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I've been, I've been assaulted probably eight or nine times, but I do want to stress that it's, this is, a, this it sounds like one of these CNN headlines with, with the, the city burning in the background and CNN saying mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. <laughs> um, normally it is mostly really peaceful. I get a lot of verbal abuse. I get that constantly from the younger crowd, but you can do this very safely. You don't have to do what I do. You don't have to go out at 7 p.m. at night in Montreal. There's lots of ways to do this safely. You can go stand in front of a legislature where there's security and go to big events and stuff. You'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I get, man, I don't even know if I want to get into all the online stuff. When I first started this campaign, people, I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but people said terrible things, made up all sorts of crap. And it really, 
at the time, it was basically a, an act of sabotage for some reason, people on my own side even. Well. And my support just kept going down, down, down. But I knew if I kept going out on the street, just talking to people, nobody can cancel that. Yeah. Nobody can stop me going outside and having conversations. They can say whatever they want, but no one can cancel me because I refuse to be canceled. And you know who you are and you know what mm -hmm. your purpose is. Yeah. Um, right. do you, can you tell me a little bit about the positive aspects of, of having these conversations and wearing the billboards? Like you said, for example, um, you like to ask people questions or provoke questions with your signs. Like no ch children can't consent to pu puberty blockers. What are some of the conversations you've had or, or some of the more interesting things that have happened as a result of you doing this? Boy, man, where do I start? I've had so many amazing conversations. Uh, I've woken up a lot of people personally. I've had, when I was in Texas, I was inside the state Capitol with my signs because one of the politicians told me to go inside <laughs> I and I couldn't believe it. It's beautiful and, uh, in, the, in the Texas Capitol. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's safe because you have to go through a metal detector and everything. But <laughs> I was standing there with these signs on and I had a man just crying his eyes out on my shoulder because his sister's affected by this in Portland, Oregon. Hmm. Um, I've had parents come up to me and tell me that uh, they learned about this through me and that their child's doing better. I've helped parents deal with the Ministry of Children and Families. I've, I've done a lot of other things behind the scenes that really probably give me the, the biggest reward. Mm -hmm. But I've spoken at some big events and media have covered some of these things. I've had counter protesters come to meet me. I had 200 counter protesters from a university in Ottawa come and swarm me, mob me, punch me in the head, paint on me, key my car, all while police were watching and doing nothing about it. But the media picked it up and it reached millions. And I get lots of positive emails from people because they see all this fake news and then they look it up and then they learn mm -hmm. what's going on. And that's really what gives me the biggest satisfaction is talking to parents because I'm not trying to change laws or school policies or any of that, because quite honestly, all these institutions in Canada, especially are lost cause right now. We yeah. need new people in them because these are the cult members in our government pushing yeah. all of this stuff. But I know that talking to parents directly, what's going on is so hideous and so wrong. They can't help but stop talking about it when they learn what's going on. And so word of mouth spreads and it's working. I can see it. In Vancouver, it's, there's a huge difference from a year ago. Of course, this isn't all me. This is everyone working. This mm -hmm. is Abigail Schreier's book. This is, you know, people on conservative media talking about it because the left-wing media refused to. But it, it is making a big difference. And I just know if I continue doing this, and I continue to talk to wonderful people like you who help to amplify this message that we'll get enough people up to speed and informed that they can then have intelligent conversations of their own with others. And we will put an end to this. Yeah. But yeah, I've had um, so many great experiences um, with parents. What kind of advice have, would you yeah. give parents? Like what, what kind of questions do you think are good to ask people? Let's say you have um, we have a lot of people who watch our show, uh, who, who they've dealt with social justice ideology from family members, from their kids or from a sister or, you know, someone in their family. If you have 
someone in your family who's sort of starting to fall into this religious, like this cult of belief around gender, what kind of questions would you say might help to have a conversation with them that doesn't get hostile? Well, everyone knows their kid and every kid's different and all of our relationships are different, but we just have to have conversations. Mm -hmm. We have to tell our kids the truth about the regressive nature of this ideology. We need to reinforce that there is no right way to be a boy or a girl. We need to tell them that they are beautiful just as they are, whether they're masculine, feminine, whatever. But we need to talk to them about the truth of this ideology, which is that it is regressive, sexist, stereotypical nonsense. Mm -hmm. We need to tell them the truth about these medical things happening. Because when kids know the truth, they are now inoculated against these lies when they come for them at school, at least a little bit. And kids need to know that if the word gender comes up in school, that the parents want to hear about it. Because one of the most powerful things parents can do is just go talk to their school teacher. A lot of these teachers that read these books don't even understand what they're doing. They've had some professional development days and some people have told them that, you know, we need to be respectful of everyone's gender identity and all this sort of stuff, which is, which is fine. Of course, we need to be loving and respectful to all these kids. Yes, 100%. We don't need to lie to them and these kids are getting lied to. So the, the best remedy for lies is just the truth, but you need to know your kid. And honestly, if they're getting taught this, if they have some woke teacher in school, I would pull your kid out. Mm -hmm. It depends on the teacher you get. It really does. I've been comfortable with my kids' teachers and they're not getting this um, very much taught to them. But if it was, you can bet we'd be having a problem, but I'm not worried about my kids at all because we've had, we've had so many discussions about this. They've watched some of my podcasts. They fully get what's going on, mm -hmm. but kids are the biggest influencers, influencers of other kids. So you do need to know who your friends are, who your kids' friends are, because if they're hanging out with some of these kids who have fallen into this, that peer influence is going to be there. And no matter how strong we are as people, if we are immersed in an environment where we are lied to all the time, but of course it's presented in such an inclusive, loving way, right? Yes. It's going to have an impact. So it's best just to get your own kids out of these environments and uh, just talk to them. Parents can, you mentioned earlier uh, that there's something called the gingerbread man, which I've seen. I actually saw one of these educators uh, do a presentation here in Austin a, a few years ago. And what I learned since then was that in some schools, they now say that the gingerbread man himself is offensive because it's a man. So now they have <laughs> the gender unicorn, <laughs> which well, is, yeah. Yeah. Parents yeah, can look this up if they want to know what these tools are. These are tools that educators are using to teach kindergartners about yeah. this gender identity yeah. cult. You've you've misgendered the mis the genderbred person, Carrie. I have, <laughs> right. I have to say it, it is the genderbred person, of course. Okay. Because, <laughs> but yeah, you can't give anything a gender these days. Yeah. You can't assume someone's gender. <laughs> um yeah, these materials are nuts. They teach that there's more than two sexes. In the in the bottom corner of the genderbred person, you'll have it'll tell you that your sex is assigned at birth. Of course, sex is not assigned at birth, like some arbitrary thing. Sex is observed at birth, and we are all male and female. 
And what these trans activists always try to do in these conversations is to bring intersex people into the discussion. Mm -hmm. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm talking about normal, healthy kids who are girls or boys who now want to switch sex. Mm -hmm. People with intersex conditions, it's really a misnomer. We should just call it a disorder of sexual development or a variation in sexual development. This is a tiny fraction. This is about 0.02% of the population whose reproductive organs basically didn't form properly. So there will be males who have their testicles internalized, for example, mm -hmm. like Castor Semenya, who is this South African track athlete. They're fully male, but things didn't form properly. Uh, no one is walking around with two functional ovaries and two functional testicles. No one's walking around with both sex organs. That's a total myth that gets propagated all the time. Mm -hmm. And every single person with an intersex condition is either male or female. Our sex is ultimately de determined by the type of gametes that our bodies are designed to produce, whether something formed properly or not. So I produce little tiny baby gametes and you produce big ones. We're talking about eggs and sperm here. It's not just chromosomes. You get chromosomal abnormalities. Ultimately, it's the gametes that we produce. But we don't need to get into all this scientific mumbo jumbo. What we're talking about is just normal girls and boys being told that there's something wrong with them, yes. that they might have a brain that is different from their biological sex. They're being taught that gender identity trumps biological sex. And we, the parents, aren't allowed to talk about this. We're not allowed to speak up against our children getting medicalized. In many cases, parental rights are being taken away. And parental rights is the other huge issue we need to talk on because we have activists who I guarantee if these materials aren't already in your school district, they're coming or they're, there are activists trying to get them in there and they are trying to change laws in every single state in the country to make it prohibited to help your child feel comfortable in their own skin. We had a father last year, his name's Rob Hoogland. He went to jail for six months, he's appealing the sentence, but he got a six month jail sentence for speaking out against his daughter's transition. When she this was- This is in Canada. This is in Canada. This is in British Columbia where I'm at. When his daughter was, I think 11 years old, the first year they started teaching gender identity in school, she decided she was a boy. She was sent by the school district to a psychologist named Wallace Wong, who himself has said, at a talk he gave at the Vancouver Public Library, he said he's transitioning over a thousand kids. Wow. So this is socially transitioning. His youngest patient, he says, is two years and nine months old. Anyway, this girl struggling was sent to him. He sent her to the BC Children's Hospital. You know, the hospital to go to for kids. The endocrinologist she was still just 13 years old when she signed a consent form to go on testosterone. Dad wouldn't sign it. The endocrinologist sent him a letter, which I have, and it cites this law called the Infants Act. And different states and provinces and countries have their own acts. There is no bottom age. There is no limit to when a parent can intervene. The dad was told parents can be friends and advisors to their children, but they cannot intervene in this medical process. 
because the Infants Act says all that's needed is the doctor's belief that it's necessary and that the doctor thinks that the child can understand at any age. This is this is incredible. So he spoke out about it. A judge told him not to speak out about it because I get it. We need to protect the girl's identity. And there were probably some things done wrong there. We do need to protect her identity. But he also needs to be able to speak out. And so he was given a gag order not to speak out. He kept violating the gag order. So the judge threw him in prison for six months. Wow. He's, he's lost his kid. He's now a criminal. He's spending time in jail. This All for trying to protect his kid. It's interesting because I just saw a clip today of Melissa Harris Perry. Do you know who she is? She used to work for MSNBC. She might still work for MSNBC. I'm not sure. And sure. she, it was a clip of her talking. We can actually, what I'll try to do is put it in here after the fact. We can just watch it. But I'll tell you about it. It's her addressing the camera. This was used in an ad for Democrats. And she was saying to the camera that we've made this mistake in in viewing um, children as, as uh, belonging to their parents. That, that children don't belong to their parents, children don't belong that. to their families, that they belong to communities. And I therefore, yeah, she was trying to make the argument that parents should have no say in their children's education because children ultimately belong to the government. Of course, she used the word communities. But it seems to be part of this, uh, the, what you're talking about, which they're finally, I guess, saying they're saying this out in the open now, this idea somehow that... The, it's the government's job to tell you how to parent your kids. It's the government's job to tell you, you, you know, to educate your children and that you don't even have a right to see what they're learning, what they're being taught. Um, I think this is a little bit further along in Canada than it is in the States, though, this, this people accepting this. Would you say that's the case? Oh, yes. Canada has fallen. And I'm not going to sit here and say Canada sucks because mm -hmm. Canada is still a great country. But when it comes to our governments at all levels, we are in a world of hurt. All these activist types have gotten themselves installed in positions throughout all these levels of government. All the school unions are far left. All the school boards are far left. We had one man. His name's, uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Barry Newfeld. He's out in Chilliwack, BC. It's a suburb far out suburb of Vancouver. He's on the school board. He's one of the trustees, elected official. He is very much against gender identity getting taught to kids. So our government cannot fire him because he's elected. But what our provincial government can do is fire the whole board. So they started an investigation into the entire school board looking for a reason to fire the whole board. Anyone who speaks up against this is... Wow. Persona non grata, they are canceled, they are lied about in all of our media. And all of these woke institutions, which is every institution now in Canada, pile on to the defamation mm -hmm. and pretend this is all out of love and kindness. And it's the opposite. So we are in such a mess politically. But a country isn't the sum part of all of its politicians, it's the sum part of all of its people. So I believe one day we'll restore order but we need brave people getting out there telling the truth and waking up everyone else who's asleep. So yeah. I'm just trying to do my little part to do that. 
Is that part of why you, you spend time touring um, the States as well? Because is it sort of to say, let's put the brakes on here <laughs> before? Well, this is really a global problem. Mm -hmm. And countries like Canada, we will never lead on this issue. Our politicians won't. Only when every other country in the world has fixed this and done away with this practice will our politicians go, oh, you know what? Uh, we have learned of abuse going on and we are so noble and virtuous that we are going to put a pause on this practice and they'll try to save face somehow. Mm -hmm. And only after every other country in the world has fixed this will they do away with it. And of course, they'll spin it as though they always agreed with us in the first place. But I have to go to the States because I can't get media in Canada. We don't have many big podcasters in Canada. None of our media will cover this. Only rebel media will cover it. And in the States, it's totally different because you have conservative media. Mm -hmm. And people in the States are different as well. Canadians are way too docile. Americans are way more likely to take action, to go to school board meetings, to make noise. And you have a lot of conservative media. You have radio hosts, huge podcasters. So you I'm have... just basically coming to the U.S. for help. I'm asking right. for help. Like, I need help to get this message out there because no one in Canada will will cover it. And you have liberal podcasters like me who get called conservative media. <laughs> so... Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm a traditional classical liberal. I'm probably libertarian. And yeah. I would be very central of what used to be center. But the center keeps moving further right, I think. But... Yeah, I think um, this is my own little pet project is is to because they keep changing the meaning of words and yeah. and they're doing it across the board. It's not just the word woman or the word man. They're changing the meaning of the word liberal. And so there are certain words I try to hang on to because I just I really can't stand them removing all meaning from the world. And yeah. liberal is one of those words that. um they want to claim and they are illiberal you can't behave in illiberal ways you can't behave in ways like supporting violence supporting censorship supporting abuse child abuse and and call yourself a liberal i just don't i, I have a big problem with that so but um yeah remember when it was liberal to in the middle of the pandemic where everyone had to stay home and couldn't work but remember when it was liberal to go out and protest and burn down cities Right. Because that was somehow saving more lives. Right. That was fun. But it's you know what's really amazing going on today is people like you, Carrie. Look at what you've accomplished just by telling simple truths and having conversations. You built up this big following and you're just not afraid to tell the truth. And you reach so many people and it inspires others. And if we look at what's going on in media today, it was just over a year ago that Barry Weiss left the New York Times and yeah. started out on her own and is now probably making 20 times what she was before. But this isn't about how much money people are making or how successful they can be. It's now really inspiring, I think, that there are people like Barry Weiss and yourself and Joe Rogan who simply ask questions and have conversations. And Joe is reaching 50 million people in yeah. podcasts now. And what does he do? He just is a normal dude yeah. who doesn't pretend to be anything other than that, who started a podcast years and years ago just for fun, just to talk to people. He stayed true to himself. He has integrity. He's willing to admit when he's wrong. Mm -hmm. 
but he's just a breath of fresh air because he's real and yes. he's honest and he just talks to people yeah. and he is destroying all of the mainstream media combined yeah. because they're all fake. Yeah. All of them. Kids and this a... is just going to keep growing. So yeah. I think people like you are how we're going to end this, honestly. I think kids in particular are starving for that authenticity. That's why they're tuning into Joe Rogan. And I know it's not, it's, it's also um, generation X and people, I, but, but people are hungry for something real and they're hungry for authenticity. And I think, I think that there's, I'm not, I feel like a, a, a boomer sometimes when it comes to all the new technology and I know everyone's on TikTok, and I know that's where a lot of the social justice belief system is now being pushed is on TikTok. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see the ways in which truth seekers start to use some of, of those platforms. I haven't figured that one out. I'm leaving that to someone else, <laughs> but, but I think once they do, you're going to see this groundswell of, of these kids that we're talking about in this generation Z, the ones who are being, mutilated and experimented on. I think you're, you're going to see some of those people of that age group start to emerge as truth tellers on these platforms. And, and we'll see that that's what people want. They don't, they don't want yeah. the lies. They don't want the, I know there's a, there's a contingent of people that do, and I'm yeah. still trying to wrap my head around that. But for the most part, I think people want truth. Would you agree with that? Yeah, some people have, they're finding their value from their victimhood. And they're, they're in these social circles where they will look so much more virtuous to their peers if they come and shout down somebody like me. So when I get 200 counter protesters swarming me and trying to cover me up with blankets so no one can see my message and all that sort of stuff, they don't even know what my message is. They have yeah. no idea. They just saw a Facebook post that a bigot was in town and we're all going to go cancel him. And it's like a party for them because they're now appearing virtuous to all of their friends and it's getting them brownie points. But you're absolutely right. The vast majority of the population, easily more than 90% are not falling for this. I know that because I've talked to 5,000 people out on the street and I have easily north of 90% support, even in super woke Vancouver. But yeah, it's going to be people like you, the truth tellers who essentially we're, you're going to take over all these uh, eyeballs that went to tra traditional media yeah. and all these people are turning to people like yourself because it's the only place to get the truth these days. And if we can ever get a, a craze going amongst the schools, amongst teenagers to go against gender ideology, and I know there is some of that happening, mm -hmm. that's when this all starts to crumble really quickly because kids are most susceptible to other kids. So if we can make it cool to be gender non-conforming and not trans, whatever that means. Yeah. No one can really define it. We should never call these kids trans kids. We should call these child kids children with gender dysphoria. Okay. Because no one is truly trans. That doesn't even mean anything. All it means is they're having distress about their gender. You know, that's a good point. I'm gonna rethink, because I have used the phrase trans kids before. Because when talking with people who buy into this belief system, who want to say to someone like me, well, you're just transphobic, you don't care about trans kids. Sometimes I have found it useful to use their language to try and dispel whatever stereotype they have about me. Like, no, I don't have a 
it's not that I want to harm trans kids. I want to help them. But, but what you're saying is even making that concession with language is a bad idea. Yeah, because they're not trans kids. They're just kids. Right. That's a title given to them by adults. Right. We used to, this used to be called gender identity disorder until 2013 when the DSM-5 came out and they renamed it gender dysphoria. Now what they're doing is even getting rid of that and they're just teaching that every kid has a gender identity. So this if you teach what... all these kids, that if you teach kids that they have a gender identity, what's the next step for the kid? They have to figure Jeez. out what their gender identity is. Well, yeah. how do they figure that out? It's all stereotypes. So, so many women I talked to when they were girls, they preferred playing boy sports and they didn't like all the girly things being pushed upon them. And, you know, a lot of them didn't like growing up. Of course, puberty is hard for girls. And if you talk to a lot of grown-up women, they'll tell you, if I was a kid and this ideology was presented to me, I absolutely would have fallen for it. And instead of calling these kids trans kids, some of these kids are just gay kids. Yeah. But all these kids now who would grow up to be gay are being told that they're trans. This is transing away the gay. This is doing to kids what Iran does to homosexuals. It's illegal to be gay in Iran, but these men can be trans women. That's totally fine. So they, they can be put to death for being gay or they can flee the country or they can transition to become a trans woman and then have a relationship with another man. That's totally fine. Yeah. So of course that's completely barbaric and insane. That's what we're doing to kids. Speaking of barbaric, I saw you tweeted a picture, which is disturbing. I'm not going to show it in the podcast, but I'll describe it. There's a new trend in in the the, the trans trending of kids. Um, there's a new trend where for the kids who, for the, the girls who are deciding that they're non-binary or NB, they call themselves NB, when they get their double mastectomies and get their breasts removed, they're also removing the nipple. Is this right? Yeah, that's right. And they'll do so, this to kids. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health is coming out with new guidelines right now. They just wrote them. They were taking public comments until last Sunday. But the new standards of care are being released and they are lowering the age. They now recommend girls as young as 15 get these double mastectomies. Wow. And for anybody, gender, listen, for anybody yeah. listening who is mistaken about what we're saying, they're removing the breast and the nipple, meaning they're That's not right. being, these girls are not being made to look like uh, as best they can uh, approximate a, a boy. They're taking the whole nipple off. So they look completely disfigured. It's like a body with no, with nothing, which yeah, except two scars. It's a huge scar from left to right. It almost joins up in the middle. I think sometimes it does. And everything's gone. And they're doing this to kids. And yeah. so then if this kid grows up a bit and they decide, oh my gosh, what did I get caught up in? I mean, their brains are forming until they're 25. We all know when we're 15, we're totally different than 10. And again at 20 and again at 25 and 30 and 40. There isn't enough tissue to even do reconstruction for these kids. You know, it's all too tight. So it's not like they can just 
give them breast implants. They can't even do that in a lot of these cases. And of course, that's not actual reconstruction anyway, because we're cutting off organs of girls. Now they can never breastfeed if they want to in the future, if they're even able to get pregnant, because we are sterilizing tons of these children. You know, sometimes I always like in these podcasts to remind everyone, forget about gender ideology. Just forget about it all. Forget about all ideology. We are trying to change the sex of tens of thousands of children. We are cutting off the body parts of children. We're giving experimental drugs which stop a child's physical development. I don't care what the reason is. There's never a reason to do that. Only cults do crazy things like this. Only extremist religious cults will harm children for life. But we are to believe this is progressive. This is the biggest child abuse medical scandal that's gone on in our lives. And we're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, we'll see how long this video stays up. So what happened in, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to get back to, because I don't know the history on this. I don't even know, I don't know anything about it. Sweden and Finland, you said, they're no longer allowing this. What happened there? Two progressive countries, by the way. What happened there is the doctors, like in Sweden, the the number one place, the hospital that this was all going on in is called the Karolinska Institute. And they looked at the data. Can you imagine? And they saw, gee, there's no evidence to support this. Suicidality doesn't go down. These kids aren't getting happier. In many cases, they're getting worse. In many cases, suicides even go up. There is a honeymoon period when a girl first goes on testosterone because it causes like a euphoria. It would make you feel better. It would make me feel better. It would make us feel bolder and more confident. It's going to stop girls from getting their periods. So they're going to be happy about that. Of course, it's going to redistribute some fat. So there's like this honeymoon period, but then they start losing their hair and getting a deep voice and they can't hold down a relationship and they've had a hysterectomy and life is a long time. Life isn't just when you're 14 and 50, but we're treating these kids like The world's going to end if we don't let them physically harm themselves when all these kids have something else going on. So anyway, doctors over there looked at the evidence and there wasn't any. And so they're doing the right thing. There was a documentary series that aired in Sweden. It's four parts. If you Google mission investigate Sweden trans, you'll find this documentary. It has English subtitles, but directly coincident when, when, with when that documentary aired in Sweden, the number of kids going into these gender clinics fell off a cliff. The numbers just dramatically declined because this aired nationally and people learned what was going on. And so that's all we have to do here. What I'm really hoping someone will do, maybe I'll have to do it, maybe we can do it, is produce a documentary series interviewing detransitioners one episode at a time. Get this person's story out there. What led them into this? What kept them in it? What got them out of it? And we need a documentary series talking about the abuse that these children have been through. And then we can wake up a bunch of people. But until we get some mainstream media or not even mainstream media, they're terrible, but big media, lots of views, millions and millions of views of the details of what's going on. Until we get that done, this is just going to keep happening because more and more money is pouring into gender ideology all the time. 
when gay rights were won at the turn of the century, first decade, really, all these LGBT organizations started focusing all their money on the T. And we really need to decouple LGB from the T because these are two very different things. LGB is based on your sexual orientation. And that is immutable and it doesn't change. And we should never try to change it in people. But this T is about stating that you are something that you are not. It is about being the opposite sex. And we have hundreds of millions of dollars from activist organizations pushing this ideology into our schools, into our governments, into our corporations. And we've got a few people with $75 signs and Twitter accounts trying to fight back. But we are disfiguring children. We are stopping their bodies from developing. We are making them infertile, all because of a craze that is affecting children who never in their lives until adolescent years felt this thing called gender dysphoria. This isn't real gender dysphoria. This is just a craze sweeping through our teenage girls. So parents need to get up to speed. And I'm gonna keep traveling the US. I'm trying to get to the East Coast soon, Boston, New York, and Washington DC probably. Depends on the weather too, but I'm gonna keep traveling the US, hopefully one trip a month. And if anyone wants to support me, the best thing you can do is to have conversations with your kids, with your peers, with your coworkers. Um, there is a donate button on my website if people wanna help out that way because it's not free to travel around the world, of course. But really, I just ask people to have conversations and if they need to reach out to me, they're more than welcome to. My contact info is on my website and I'm happy to talk to anyone anytime. So yeah, and for people who so are, we're just, we also do an audio version. So if you're, if you're not watching, you can't see this on the screen, but your website is billboardchris.com. That's right. It's a, it's a basic website, but it's got all the material that people new to the subject really need to read. I've got a bunch of studies up there talking about how many kids grow out of this. I've got all the real news about the suicide rates. Cause those are the number one things people hear when they start talking about this. But uh, I do all my campaigning on Twitter as well, mostly, which is at Billboard Chris. I'm on Instagram as well and Getter, same handle. So yeah, lots of, lots of ways to reach out. And I encourage people to follow others that are involved in this fight as well, because there's always new information uh, coming out all the time. And truth is how we're going to end this conversations, just like and this. What are, you, what are you looking forward to this coming year, 2022? Hmm. Good question. I don't think too far ahead. Uh, I guess it's getting good now because my following keeps increasing and the tweets and the information is being seen by more people. So I'm just looking forward to continuing to build this and getting to a bunch of US cities and helping to spread the word down there. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting a grassroots movement of parents going yeah. and especially men too, because men need men to follow. It's yeah. been a lot of feminists talking about this and I've learned a lot from a lot of these feminists, but the average guy out there, they need a man to follow and to talk to. And we need to get the dads going because dads tend to have a different style. And if we just get a few dads in every state making some noise and saying, I've had enough, boy, that can spread really fast. We don't need a million people. We just need a few people in every state making some noise and we can start putting an end to this.
We need a few good, strong men. Yeah. They're well, out there. I know it. I'm, I'm so grateful you're out there doing what you're doing. I'm so happy that I got to meet you. And next time you're in Texas, let me know, because I'd love to be able to get to a university without being kicked out before we... <laughs> Before we do anything. <laughs> you got it. We'll, yeah. we'll go to the University of Texas in Austin. Cool. Let's do it. It's, Thank it's you, a good Chris. drag to hang out there. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. You guys can find Chris online at billboardchris.com and also on in all the places you would go online at Billboard Chris. Um, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Carrie. I'll talk to you later. Cool. Bye-bye. <laughs>